actually ready? I think so. Oh, no, I just saw your rating. Although you did tell me it, but still. I know. But it's okay. It's literally very, it's, it's right in the middle. absolutely middle of the road for you. It is. Hello. Do it again. <laughs> I'm ready this time. Do it again. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm fabulous. Welcome to the Pop Podcast. I'm Kayla. I'm Emma. On time. Kind of. We're a week late, you know, because we had to switch to... I actually posted... I don't know if you knew this, but I posted something on Instagram about switching... Or Twitter. About switching to a bi-weekly schedule just because... Oh, yeah, we did talk about it. Just because it's been so difficult to record, especially with me being back in school and with you having your kiddo in school. And just being disorganized in general. Yeah. <sighs> but that's that's you and that's me, so... Different problems. It's fine. We can't we're get fine. together. We can't, yeah, we're fine. Everything's we're fine. on fire, but we're fine. We can't get this together is fine. once a week to record. And the problem is, too, like, also editing. Like, if we can yeah. get together on a Thursday night, that's not a big deal. But, like, I need to be able to edit it, too. It's it's never, never ready. What you guys get is never what we started with. Especially when we I get off I thought that was going to go along the, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Well, that is kind of what it is. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Because if we gave you guys everything, there have been <sighs> some offensive tangents that we've gone on sometimes. And it's like, yeah, let's not say that. Because we don't actually feel that way. But it was just like we went that way. And then we've got, you know, tangents that don't matter. That last forever. And we talk about Vince Vaughn when the movie doesn't even have Vince Vaughn. And it's like seven degrees of separation. Like, you name it, we've gone off the off the beaten path quite often. And you all end up with a much cleaner version at only an hour and 20-something minutes, typically. Long enough to watch a movie. And it's all thanks to you. Yeah. Wait, me or them? You. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were talking about them. How old are you? Whoosh. That was an absolute whoosh. They're contagious. Whoosh. Absolute whoosh. But anyway, do you want to get started they on this names. one? Speaking of names. <laughs> they have names. Uh, the name of this film was Ghost Ship. What a lovely segue. That was so good. We're getting better at it. I mean, we had an intro that was actually continuous this time. And we didn't have any corrections that I know of from last time. Like, we covered Victor Frankenstein pretty good. Y'all come back in a year and we're about to be, like, doing so good. We're, we're going to we're gonna pull this episode up in a year and be like, Wow. Look how far we've come. And I'll, I'll even have like the little, the triangular, the pyramid sound foam stuff all over this room. And we'll sound really, really nice. But for now, we just suave sound like... Suave even? Yeah. Suave. Rico suave. Me llamo Kela. Estoy bien. No. Freaking. <laughs> I cannot help you. <laughs> no sprechen de Deutsch or something uh, like that. Sava. Yeah, you speak French, I'll speak Spanish. That's fine. I'm sure we'll find some words in the middle. No parlez-vous Francie. Okay, what is the Spanish word for chicken, though? Pollo. Yeah, I was like, there's always... Chicken is one that, like, you can almost guess it across all languages. It's like, what is it? Is it the same in French, too? Uh, Poulet, I want to say. Poulet. But it makes sense because the the base term for, like, like, fowl is poultry. Yeah. So, like, if you think about where that word came, and that's even in English, you know. So, if you think about that, poultry is chicken. 
I wasn't saying yes, like I knew that fact. I meant like, yeah, like I know the word poultry. Yes. I just want to clarify. But still got the point across. It just sounded like I was really confident with that knowledge, and I, I didn't know that at all. I just, I knew the word poultry. Uh-huh. I know some of these words. Yeah, I know some English. A couple of them. <laughs> a couple of, a couple of the Englishes. At least four. I'm for sure. Maybe five. That's stretching it, though. Yeah, that's overestimating. <laughs> so anyway, back to the movie as we get off on one of our little bunny trails. Um, Ghost Ship was released in 2002. I actually put out a challenge to M over here and was like, we need to find a movie that was before, you know, 2000 is what I said. I was like, 1999 is acceptable. It's fine. I will take it because she doesn't like old movies. I like the classic cult, the cult classic films from like the 80s and 90s. Absolutely thrive on them. And I like the early 2000s too because, I mean, you had like Van Helsing and Gothica and stuff like that. I love those movies. Um, but I was like, all of our movies that we've done have been, I think, 2012 or later. And there's so much more out there and even older films that you like. Well, the that, old films should have just stepped it up if they wanted to be watched more. They can't step up what they've already done? I don't know. They can't retroactively step up. I've Although, got a grudge against old movies. I know against... you don't like... Grudge, grudge, grudge. Um, I know you don't like grainy film and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't but... know why that tickled me so much. <laughs> just was an unexpected noise. Grudge, grudge. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds Russian. Speaking all the languages today. Um, but anyway, I know you don't like old film and the way it crunchy. looks. And it's fuzzy and crunchy. And there's no other way to describe it. Because I know exactly what you're crunchy talking about film. when you say crunchy. Ugh. And Can't watch it. a lot of films have remastered versions that you can yeah. buy on DVD and Blu-ray, depending on how old it was and when it was remastered. And it, even like VHS tapes, like that, had, the cartoons and the animated Disney films that have been transferred over to DVD from the original like film that they were on before... Like, they look so much better now. So giving old movies a chance is definitely worth it. Not that this was, like, an old Quote, unquote, movie, old. but, like, yeah. the, the quality of this didn't bother me. It's 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 older than that, I think, that really gets me. It's when you get into 2000 and before that it's like, is this from the 90s or is this from 1975? Because yeah. I can't tell. And there's a lot of – and it could be just, like, film choice or it could be, like, directors didn't have the budget for the perfect, like, the top-of-the-line film, so they just had film that they already had. I don't know what the dealio is there, but I, I do understand what you're A minute and a half ago, did you notice that I had a tangent that I swallowed down so you could get your thought out? Because I really I think wanted I to did, say something. And, and I it, forgot. I stuffed it down, so it's gone. It's it's long been forgotten. Oh, you so you don't remember what it was? Yeah, I just wanted to like verbally give myself some points for that because I was like, no, it's her turn. Well, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, it wasn't anything important. Oh. For sure. None of this is important. Except staying hydrated. That's important. I'll I'll clarify. Probably wasn't relevant. Eh, Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know. We'll never know. Only whatever. remember it in 12 minutes. Or if we believe in parallel universes, whatever version of you interrupted me and kept going with it, and I lost my train of thought, that's where that podcast is going in that what-if scenario. Well, I hope they're doing good, you know? <laughs> hope they're having a good Us day. Of four minutes ago. Somebody should. But what if we didn't wish ourselves well? What if we hated ourselves for doing that and thinking about it? And I now... hate myself here. <laughs> you know what? Okay. That timeline's taken. <laughs> that continues in every timeline. 
It's across the board. <laughs> all all iterations of M hates much consist- herself. Much consistent there. So, so getting off the self-loathing topic, the genre of this film actually surprised me how little it was. Because usually you see like three or four. Now, this one's a sh- horror. It's a horror. There's nothing else to it. Once again, we're jaded to horror, so I do feel like some of it is lost on us. So I feel personally that it has more suspense elements to it. Um, but it does have some scary moments. This horrifies some people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. There's I, some that are pretty gnarly. I guess gnarly. I just remembered some scenes that are probably, yeah. I mean, if we want to talk about that laundry room scene where they open that door and those things coming out, like, Yeah. We'll get to that point probably if we remember to talk about it. Because I don't remember exactly when it happened. I wrote it down. Good. I'm glad you did. But yeah, that point... That is one thing that I didn't like about this. Is the lack of urgency there. Like, what happened? Like, where'd it go? Anyway. That's true. Um, the, this film is it appropriately rated as R. Uh, as a horror film. And with some of the gory moments and, and scary... There are some scary spots too. Like, if you have a fear of, like, bugs and stuff like that. And, like... There's a good uh, two or three good jump scares in it that got me, got, mm-hmm. got all of us, I think. Yep. And this runtime is an hour and 50 minutes. Now that, for me, it was fine. But for you, I know you don't like long movies. So we also I don't know had if to you... pause it multiple times. So <sighs> You're right. It There was no real way for me to judge how much time had lapsed there. It just. But you never wanted to turn it off. Uh-oh. I don't feel like I was, like, present enough to even think about that. It was just focus. Just watch yeah. what's happening. There's a lot going on. Yeah, we're not recording this consecutive to watching the film. This is actually an independent day, surprisingly. So forgive us if we don't remember it all. Yeah, so we, we may be a little unorganized this time, even though we do have notes. I have what I wrote down during the film and what I know because I've seen this before. Yeah, this and was I my have suggestion. what I wrote down, and I never know anything that's going on, so. <laughs> I don't know anything. So, this film was directed by Steve Beck. Our top build cast is Juliana Marguiles. I'm assuming that's a Hispanic name. If not, it's Marguiles. I don't know. Uh, Gabriel Byrne, Ron Eldard, and Desmond Harrington. Um, everybody has been in a few movies here and there. Um actually wrong turn we saw it on amazon prime and i had never seen it and i really do want to watch it at some point but desmond harrington is also in that film and that's what prompted me to recommend this film and that we watch it so if we want to watch wrong turn and you have seen it before i would love to also a horror film i don't remember what that was about or us talking about that we saw it like we saw a trailer or looked at that we saw a trailer for I it. I was there, for sure. You were 100% there. You had the remote in your hand. You clicked play trailer. Play trailer. I play a lot of trailers sometimes. We did, you know? yeah. Because, I mean, we pulled out the ruins, which none of us had seen, and I would like to watch at some point. I vaguely remember comparing that one to the cave people one, yeah. right? Yeah. No, that was um, Cold Skin, I think. That was the oh, one about yeah. them coming out of the water. That's right. And that <sighs> that also looked really cool. Oh, I hate that. Yep. I think it's I called Cold like, Skin. I don't like people-like creatures. In... And not just like humanoid shaped, like arms, legs, and a head. Like we're talking like human 
like like just off human like these things had gills and like some funny shaped noses and and they looked like people like they had hands and feet and stuff but they also had fins and, and things like that very very cool looks very like a very cool movie i do want to watch it the, it would it would just very much intimidate me yeah like that might be one of the reasons why signs was so a lot of that like a lot of the jump scares in that movie really really oh got God. me that was the that is still the most effective jump scare they had in my they had multiple multiple that were just, so good I cold chills the tv like I'm cold now. the knife with the fingers the crossing the path that was recorded that's at that what birthday. i'm talking about the birthday all party. of those like they they were so well done but each one of them was like at the same time prior to excelling being like something just so casual like them just like walking just like the way it was it just was yeah. so just a person walking down the street and it just ugh, I don't well know. and like even the the leg in the cornfield where you see it yeah like it's it was like standing at like the edge of the moved. corn and it just kind of shifted back and all you saw was the like the because leg and everything foot. i feel like so, so many supernatural or you know just like sci-fi things they become so fantastical that you can't like picture it being a right here right in front of my face realistic threat you know but whenever it's done like that where they like immerse it in our regular world so well it becomes much more intimidating Mm because you're like oh no it's i can actually imagine that happening super easy i don't like that i am uncomfortable so anyway continuing on um this film was distributed by warner brothers very well-known production company um, it was also produced Never by them. No, who's these Warner Warner guys? I don't know. Um, and it was also produced by Dark Castle Entertainment, Village Roadshow Pictures, and NPV Entertainment. Excuse me. Um, a couple things, a couple interesting notes that I think you will be amused by because we mentioned all of these movie, almost all of these movies, sitting there talking about what we wanted to watch and like all the good movies and stuff like that that we had seen that were what we believed were underrated and stuff like that. So Steve Beck has only directed two films. It was this one and 13 Ghosts with Tony Shalhoub and Matt Lillard. I didn't mention that one. Uh, yeah, you were probably distracted, but me and uh, me and your sister were talking about that one. Yes. Uh, great film. Uh, very underrated. And I'm not going to say it's a great film. It's like it's a blockbuster, but like it's a really enjoyable film. There's a lot of um, moving parts and stuff. Visually, it's very appealing. Okay. Lots of glass walls I and like writing. I like things that look nice. And the, the ghosts are supposed to be exaggerated because in life they were normal people, but in death they became exaggerations of who they were. Like vampires in the Vampire Diaries. Yes, but visually. Instead of, yeah, instead of emotions, they're visually different. So, like, you had one that was, like, um, she's, like, a caged head ghost and stuff like that. And then. I've seen, yeah, I've not seen the movie, but I've seen. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, when you said that. Yep. Very good. Very fun film. We'll have have to watch watch it. Yeah, we'll have to watch it sometime. Um, he also did the visual effects for The Hunt for Red October, which is a, a Jack Reacher film, I believe. It's a Tom Clancy, very good uh, Sean Connery movie. Great film. And it's and it's a, it's based on books. It's got Sean Connery and I think Alec Baldwin, one of the Baldwin brothers. They all look alike I'm at not that doing age. it today, but I do such a good Sean Connery impression. No, you got to do it now. I can't. I'm going to save that, though. I must ask you a question. Someone? I'm shaving it for later. I do. I'm telling you all. 
You've, I've got to hear I've it. been training for this moment my whole life. Oh, no, I'll tell you later. I'll show no, you, you later. No, you need to do it. No. That way we can hear it. And you have to do it naturally. Like, you can't then just I'm make gonna, it happen. I'm going to build the that. suspense. I'll just have to, I'll have to just no, throw it out one day. I'm just, uh, this is unacceptable. I'm just turning Be this off. Be on the lookout. Now it's a, a, what is it, an Easter egg or a whatever to, <laughs> to a look bonus for episode. in our episodes. <laughs> yep. Um, he also was visual effects director for the film The Abyss. Which, fun fact, The Abyss was the first film to use CGI to make an entirely water creature come to life. That's the deep sea movie that we were talking about that we were considering watching. Okay. And then that actually leads me into another film that we mentioned, which the next one was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade that he had also done, but that's unrelated to the water thing. Um, which one was it? Uh so the next production was dark. The next fun fact was Dark Castle. Also did Gothica, House of Wax, and Thirteen Ghosts. Cool. Okay. Interesting movies. House of Wax, the new one we're talking about, obviously with Paris Hilton. I wasn't a fan of it, but it, I figured it would be something that you might be able to relate to. Um, and then Gothica is one of my favorite films. Like it's top twenty-five probably of all time. Great movie, and that's saying a lot because my movies change constantly. Uh, and then Thirteen Ghosts because it's related to Steve Beck. But then Village Roadshow also produced Deep Blue Sea. (gasps) (laughs) I know you love that movie. Ah, so good. Uh, They also did. Wait, this is a just this little um, putting an actual just like a verbal asterisk on the show real quick. Go ahead. I love shark movies, all things shark related. So just that's a good one. Throwing that out there. Love that one. No shark movies. You need to tell me shark movies. There's never too many. The okay. next one they also did, which kind of is an interesting one because it doesn't didn't fit in with the rest of them too well, but there might have been other ones. But like I said, this list for Village Roadshow was so long, I could not include as many as I wanted to. Uh, Miss Congeniality, a comedy with Sandra Bullock. Great film. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Queen of the Damned. Was not expecting that love that movie constantine wow <laughs> who are the wow who okay. are these people good and, for them and i am legend which we mentioned before wow because she wanted to sample what i had found i completely had forgotten that we had a whole i am legend tangent. discussion already yeah nope good stuff uh wow. village roadshow is no joke so if you see village roadshow it may not be the best movie out there but it's going to be entertaining nice so after that, um, I don't have anything else as far as the specs and production companies. Let's go on to the Read synopsis. Read our little summary. Okay, so Ghost Ship is about a salvage crew that discovers a long-lost 1962 passenger ship floating lifeless in a remote region of the Bering Sea. Uh, they soon notice that its long-dead inhabitants may still be on board as ghosties. Yes, but they don't know that. Found out very soon. Yeah. It's it's another one. Like, Woman in Black was like, bam, bam, bam. Well, they'd have to be ghosties. Anything that was on board, it, it, it would have to be a ghostie if it was from the 60s. Right. But then you find other things on board that indicate other people. Well, okay. Let's They're go all through, ghosties. Let's go through this one step at a time. <laughs> We're getting way ahead of ourselves. I wonder if y'all can hear my dog digging in the floor. I was wondering. I was like, what am I hearing? Yep, he's doing his nightly routine of... Sweet baby. Don't don't bother him. Let him lay down. 
Let him just dig wherever he needs to dig. Yep, I'm tired of him licking my feet so he can dig wherever he wants to. So we start out the film in this very actually unexpected and they did a good job on this a very unexpected intro like it looked very 1960s it was written in like the pink cursive all the credits and stuff like that and the movie ghost ship like the title card was all in pink cursive and they're playing this Think old-fashioned timey intro to parent trap yeah actually yeah you're right it was like a cruise ship and they're playing this cool jazzy music and it literally was like okay this is great nice expensive cruise liner yeah very similar to parent trap now that you say that that's funny uh, oh, good comparison, actually. It's for the way you're going to look when you die in a minute. <laughs> you're probably shocking. not wrong. Like, less than a couple minutes later. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we are introduced to um, our one of our recurring characters. I wouldn't call her a main character, but she's definitely one of the recurring ones. Um, this young little girl, uh, maybe 10 to 12 years old. Old enough to technically be traveling on her own, but also not really. Um, but anyway, she's, like, on this ship, and she's playing with these blocks, and, the, like, one of the crew members looks at her, and he, like, kind of plays with her a little bit, and he takes the blocks, and he says, I am bored, or I am so bored on the blocks. You know, it starts out very jovial. Her and the crew clearly have a good relationship. Um, her and the captain start dancing together on deck. And we see all these different characters. Like, we see this beautiful Italian woman singing and stuff. We see this, like, banquet hall. We see all these, like I said, these endless crew members. And we've got this little girl and the captain. And all of a sudden, snap. Quite literally. Dun, dun, dun. On the DVD, the chapter name is called Snap. We have, uh, I think all you see is a hand. I don't, I don't remember exactly how it works. It was either a hand or it was, like, some sort of ghostly something or other. Um, pulled this lever and like tightened up the cables and um, it, it or it tightened this it turned on the spool that pulls the cables and because they were all hooked up with all these lights well it didn't like that and it went snap and cut everyone on the top deck where they were dancing in half have you ever cut cheese with a piece of floss you know what I'm talking about? Like not floss specifically, no. Not like actual floss, but you know those little things. That the are wires, like, floss. like cheese cutters, yeah. Yeah. Is it just a cheese cutter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheese cutters. They're made of like they typically have a roller and like the wire. But I'm talking about the ones that are like well, yeah, it's like a string, like a little piece of floss, but mm-hmm. you know, not but minty freshness. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, you could probably cut it with with dental ugh, floss, but ugh, no. But I wouldn't want to actually have to be put mint. So that said, these yeah. people are cut like people cheese, cheese floss. People cheese floss. That sounds like a new dance. The people cheese floss. It probably would be. Good old Fortnite. Uh, so these people are cut like cheese and not in the farting sense. <laughs> and all these body parts start falling and twitching and entrails are showing and people are trying to connect themselves back together. It's a little humorous at times, but like it is really Dragging dramatic. Dragging their bodies across the floor. Yep. And the captain had bent over to protect the little girl. And actually, I didn't really think about it. I thought it was because she was too short. But actually, he bent over quickly enough to protect her when he sensed something was wrong. And when he bent over, it cut through, like, above his jaw and cut the top of his head off. But the girl was safe. And that's the intro. That's where we start. After that point, we we don't see much else. We don't know what happened. There's no explanation. Yeah, we're left to wonder what happens to the girl what happens to the people etc and why and it's all sorts of questions all over the place and we watch the salvage crew save a tanker and we see that the crew is very uh very rowdy very ragtag all over the place and um it's a present day 
Yeah, present day in 2002. Sorry. The present day. As she's yawning. <laughs> the present day. Yes, the present day bores me too. You know, they're they're like underwater welders and stuff like that. And they have a ship that's like taking on water that they're salvaging. And they end up, you know, being very skilled and defiant. And they defy their uh, captain. And they end up fixing the ship. And they get the money for it at this bar. They get paid for it. And they're all sitting there chit-chatting. And, you know, shooting the breeze. They're like, yeah, payday. I want to go home now. That's when the man comes up. I was trying to find this. I know. I was like, I feel like you have something to say. Because I had written down salvage crew. I wanted to remember that they were a salvage crew. Specifically. Because I had written that down before I, like, read the, because I don't research stuff before I, you know, watch them. Yeah. But then I, I lost you in my notes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get ahead of you. No, you're fine. A man comes up. His name's Pres- Jack Ferryman. I did not write that down. That's okay. He it's presents cool name. them with a possible job. He's like some sort of pilot. He flew over a giant blob in the water, took some pictures. It was a big ship. Yeah. And he had mentioned like alerting the Coast Guard. And because it was international waters, they're like, eh, if it runs aground, we'll take care of it. Kind of thing. And he was like, well, I forgot about it. So I saw it the other day again when I flew over. And um, they were like, you know what? Let me talk to my crew and let's figure this out. And then they're like, and the this only is where plan I saw is... the Lord of the Rings guy. What? This is the scene that I recognize oh, the Lord of the Rings that's guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's Carl Urban. When they're sitting at the at the table, I was like, I recognize his eyebrows very <laughs> his much. Eyebrows. Uh, I love Carl. Well, because Urban. his He's eyebrows so are so much darker than his hair, but his hair is like light. In, in movie. both movies. Yep. Yeah, so. he actually, I believe, is a brunette. Like, in The Boys, like, that is his natural hair color, I believe. Very, very dark. And he's also is New Zealander. Is it lighter, or did I just make that no, up No, 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 it's lighter. Brain. It's like, it's almost like sun-bleached. It's like, yeah. they're salvagers, and they get ships, and they work out in the sun. And he, his hair gets bleached. I was thinking of the other blonde guy, but his hair is short. Dodge. Uh, but anyway, it cracked me up. Like, it, it's, it's funny the way they roll about stuff. It kind of reminds me of you in a way. Just kind of carefree, go with the flow for the most part. Very flexible, usually. And it's like, the only plan is that there is no plan. And that's what I was getting ready to say. And then we were talking about Carl Urban and his eyebrows. Carl, that kills people. Oh, hey, I did not know that. If you don't know what that's from, Google it. Llamas with hats. Highly recommend. I like I said, because I've forgotten the names. Yeah, first first four of the the short films are the best. Uh, beyond that, it was people were begging him for more, and he got mad at the fans, so he made eight like in a short time frame, and yeah. literally ended the world. That's that's it. But still good to watch at least once. But the first four classics, it's just the definition of that escalated quickly. Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Actually, this film is that way too. Very that escalated quickly. Yeah, opening scene. Everyone's dead. Uh, so from there, they obviously end up taking the job because, you know, the movie got made. They, they would not make a movie if they the didn't take the job. end. That's it. No, they said <laughs> no. No, thanks. We're going to no. stay here and get drunk tonight. Greer really wanted to go home to his beautiful fiance. Like, she was waiting for him for six months already. And he was like, I do not I don't want to be out Greer two more weeks. cared about his beautiful fiance. He actually did. Um, and this may be something that just got missed just in the chaos. Um, but he actually did, and he, cause he would catch himself. He would like look at, you know, the pictures of Francesca, who was the Italian singer. He on had the boat. to catch himself an awful lot. I didn't a, say he was a good guy. With pictures of a dead person. I didn't say he was a good guy, but he did mention quite often how much he wanted to go home to her, and he wanted to go That's home to true. her in the first place. 
and he hadn't been with her in six months at in several days by the time the movie was over like it had been a long freaking time that he hadn't seen her and they were supposed they were due to get married soon like they were getting married in like two or three weeks or something like that so i understood there was a lot of sexual tension there was frustration he wanted to be with his his fiance but um yeah he's burke from gray's anatomy by the way he looks totally different there's a lot of people that are that person from that movie Gabriel Burns, another one. He's like that person from that movie. And Carl Urban is like your uh, Cooper from Red. Uh, he was in Lord of the Rings as well, the king's like general's son or something like that from Ronan. Uh, let's see what else. He's in The Boys. Uh, he's got a lot of credits. He was a uh, Dame, or no, he was not Dame Vaca was his wife. He was Vaco in Chronicles of Riddick. He was the one that was trying to yeah. kill the king. Yeah, I had to go through like the characters in my head. Yeah, to, like a like yeah. a Bohawk, I think. And he was also like a like a commander or general or something like that, and he wanted to take over because nice. you keep what you kill, kind of thing. There's just some of them that you just never make the connection, like how the Phantom of the Opera is my favorite movie, and it didn't know until you know sometime in the past year that it was Gerard, Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. I don't know. Why Gerard I said Butler. Gerald. Gerard. Gerard. Gerald. We Butler. know a Gerald. So they take the boat to the big boat in the water. Yeah. And our, our Jack boy, who is a pilot, um, is actually very green on the sea. They're like, you fly, but you can't be on a boat. And they're making fun of him, you know, and stuff like that. It's funny because Ferryman at this point starts coming on to Epps, who is like the, she's the second in command to Murphy, who owns the salvage operation. And she actually owns a third of his operation. Ferryman starts coming on to her real strong. Like, I didn't notice it until you said something. You're like, ooh, his and, and not at this point, but you're like, his game got aggressive. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. He was like totally flirting with her. 100%. They're chit-chatting in the, in the, I don't know, the brig, I guess, like under, under the ship. And they're just chilling, having dinner. Some of them are sleeping. And like this piece of something keeps blipping on the radar, but also not at the same time. Like it, it goes. It's a big giant something that keeps showing up, but then disappearing. Exactly. Like, it, it, it literally goes in and out, and it's impossible to... Because, it, like, the the person that's, like, steering the boat, he's not the captain, but I don't know what you call him, but the person that's steering and watching out... The boat out, pilot. Yeah. The boat the pilot. boat driver. The Mrs. Puff of this organization. Santos. Santos. His name is Santos. So Santos is steering the boat and piloting it and everything. And he's watching this radar and he's got like heavy metal music on, but like he's looking out for the boat. And um, he calls the captain up, actually Murphy. And he's like, hey, Murph, like I keep seeing this thing like 10 miles away and then it goes away. Like what's going on? And then Murph doesn't believe him for a hot minute. Finally, it gets to the point where pretty much like Murph sees it and then they crash in the boat. Like he sees yeah, it, it on the radar. It and wasn't then they, there, and then within one cycle, it pops back up, and then boom, they hit it. Right. Fortunately, Santos reacted in time, and they didn't crash the boat. And they have like which big, how they didn't find that to be more suspicious that something that big showed up that fast. And when he was just saying it was ten miles away, exactly. Like it's like it literally got dropped in front of them, in a way. But I mean, it's one of those things where. Sailors, I think even nowadays, sailors are very superstitious. Like the whole woman on a boat thing is like bad luck, you know, red skies in the morning, sailors take warning, like you name it. Everything is, they're still so superstitious. And well, like we you said. we don't know a lot about the ocean. 
No, and that's actually a really good point. So I'd be suspicious too, because you can't really roll a lot out. Yeah, even as a, a landlubber myself, like you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go out there and see these things, and because these stories come from somewhere, you know, sea monsters and all that fun stuff. Which I mean, you know, it could be giant squid, it could be humpback whales, like you know, it's things that we've discovered, but also things that we haven't. The Mariana Trench is really my deep. Well, what? You said your brother-in-law. I said my mother-in-law. She's a hag. It was just a, oh, she's a, a sea mental hag. roast, yeah. Okay, now I get the correlation. She did come out of the depths of the Mariana Trench, I'm sure. She's ugly like them things, too. Nasty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, we crash, we, we bump. We bump into this boat very aggressively, and we, we briefly board it just to, like... Assess. Just to assess, yeah. That's a good way. And they're very careful. They're kind of tiptoeing around. Quick rust and damage assessment. Yeah, like, hey, can we get on this ship or can we not? Yeah. Or is there anything we can take off this ship now before we take it back to shore? Does it need dam- like damage repair? Things like that. They end up finding, I think it's on this part of the boat they find, uh, like before they like really get on it, they're still assessing. And in the, the captain's, not the quarters, but the like the... God, I don't know these names. Like the cockpit, but not the plane. <laughs> God, I don't know boats. <laughs> that should be the title. I don't know boats. I don't know boats. I can't even swim. How to boat. Wiki how boat. <laughs> so we get into the, like, the, the captain's quarters area where he works, not sleeps. And uh, we find, like, a digital watch and stuff. Well, this boat's from the 60s. And they knew that from the beginning because Murph was like, oh, yeah, I recognize this boat name. It disappeared in 1962 or something like that. You know how fast I would die in a movie if picking (laughs) up on things like details like that was relevant to survival? Instantly dead. I would not pick up on any of the clues or any of the things that would be suspicious. Like, I would just accept everything. I'd be like, wow, digital watch, free, nice. Well, and that was interesting because only one person pointed it out. Yeah. I think it was Dodge. He was like, don't you think it's weird that there's a digital watch on a boat? And Murphy was super, like, he just dismissed it. it. He was like, like, yeah, well, we're not the first ones on it, but it's ours now. Yeah, and it's like, so why didn't people take the boat and why is there stuff still here? Like, why also, is there stuff not missing? Even this. Okay. Here's, here's, um, in case you all, in case you all don't know, because you don't know, because I've not said anything about it, I did not like this movie as much as Kayla did. And I love this movie. This is one of the first things that irritated me about the movie. Okay. Of all the, I don't know why it irritates me, but of all the things to, like, leave that would be suspicious of, like, modern day... Why, why did they leave a watch? Why did they take their watch off that they probably need if they're on a boat, you know? They need to probably, like, tell what time it is. I don't know. Why, like, what, what, why would they take it out and then put it flat? Like, they took the time. Okay. Let me tell you this as why? scientifically as possible. There's a couple options here. So, very basically speaking, it could have been somebody needs to know that there's people killing people on the ship. And they left their digital watch as a warning because they knew they weren't going to make it. And they hid it because it was hidden under a stash of papers. Like like a book was open on top of it kind of thing. So that's one option. It was a warning. Like, hey, people are dying on this ship and we don't know why. But then the second thing, let but, me get there. Let me get. Hold but on. That's, but that can't be. Why can't it be? Because we know the timeline of what happens with the boat, don't we? 
not between 1962 and now. We only know what happens in 1962 and what happens now, and we only abstractly know what happened between then. The digital watch is one indication of that. And also the See, laundry room. I just feel like there's a lot of other ways subtle. that they could have done that. Way um, subtle. And also, too, the fact that... If they that, have hold clues on. like that that are just so subtle that like most people aren't even going to get them, I just don't... Okay, continue. Yeah, I was like, I, I do. I see what you're saying now. I do see what you're saying. If it was too subtle for most people. Um, but also there is a second option of, once again, this is a, something about knowing boats. And I only know this because I had to read a book about it for geography. Like, that was my major in college. And um, we had to read about this, the concept of longitude. So latitude is actually, like, physical. Like, it's physically different if you traverse the latitudes. Like, it's colder at the top and the bottom, and it's warm in the middle, and there's wind variations and stuff like that. Well, latitude doesn't work like that. Latitude is completely arbitrary, and it has to do with time and, like, the sun and stuff like that. And the fact that that watch was in, like, the captain's quarters work area. <laughs> God, I don't know what to call it. The, the fact that the watch was in there and the compass doesn't work means that they could follow the sun and navigate their way via charts. The old-fashioned way, quite literally, and use time to their advantage. It's very out there. It's very outlandish, and but it see, is that's possible. That's what I'm saying. That's like so out there with your very specific like niche of knowledge there. So with be, just the regular person, like I feel like that is just such. It's not like a oh, that's a tiny detail that like you know we can appreciate and like go back and like study the movie and like you and know. And see, to me, I see that. I see it that way, but it, you don't because you're like most people. Yeah, you're like I, I go to a if movie to be entertained. If, if it's lost on most people that are going to be watching the movie, I feel like that's like. A, a shot that was failed right so it was either it was either the science aspect of it or it was the subtle clue that it was a, an intentional warning however like i feel like that's like a lot think of how many minutes we just had to put together that theory and it was only for like and we still point one second and, and you get no resolution or you get no like that's fine. no I, I, I don't like that yep and i don't other... like a lot of open ends with stuff it's <laughs> But the, the plot hole or like um, the plot hole here is if that it wasn't intended to be either of those things and it was it fell off somebody's wrist because it got cut because off or something like that. Because that's how it's presented and they it don't ever. on the floor or it would have been stepped on. It would have been Maybe broken. a little bit of blood. Yeah, like something. Yeah. yeah, some sort of something to indicate that it was forcibly removed or fell off. Yeah. Or even if it was like whole, like still on and it had because, somehow been. Whoop, because if it was if it was a, like if it was supposed to be like some sort of sign, like why was it? hidden that's what i'm saying the fact that it was so conveniently placed under a book like it looked like to me somebody was navigating but it is possible that it was an intentional warning or it is possible that it was just a movie plot hole yeah absolutely i just found a a lot of those in this yeah that made it irritating and that's fine and I understand the frustration with that because there are sometimes where you it, just don't get if, it. If it's going to be a movie like a, a thriller or something that I have to solve or figure out, that's fine. But do it well. Yes, because make, you'll get make, lost if you don't. Connect the dots. With, like if Because none of these things that I'm irritated with, they they never get connections. They just stay open They don't open-ended. get strong connections. Because it's like, okay, clearly you this watch. You never get confirmations with a lot of what happens. Well, it's like clearly this watch belongs to the people that they found that were more recent than, you know, the people from 1962. Yeah. But like, why? Why is that? Why? Whose was it? Why was it in the the? Why was it? They've in the got brain? to wrap up and give some sort of or some sort of something. Yeah, and they they don't. Yeah, so I see what you're saying there. So anyway, that's one plot hole, which I mean I have a couple too myself that I. Uh, but it, it's a movie. There's plot holes in every <laughs> it's movie. It's a movie. It's a movie, but but movies. 
So from there, we actually have an uh, one of our first jump scares is the crew is walking through. Also, this isn't this is one of my plot holes is geography. Once again, um, this is in the Bering Strait. Bering Strait is cold as balls. Like that water is frigid. Deadliest catch, like that show about crab fishing and stuff like that. That's cold. That's where they're at. Not and to they be were dumb sweating. Because, not in to be that dumb ship. just because I don't know about like geography and like locations and stuff very well. Alaska. But I do know that some places are like named the same, even though like not the same place, you know, like it is but Paris, the Bering Sea. Paris, you know, Kentucky, Kentucky Paris. Yeah. Was it, it Bering Sea versus Bering Strait? Are they same the same? Place. Okay. Just they're check. both in Alaska. The Bering Strait goes between a couple of the Aleutian Islands. I couldn't tell you which ones. I'm not going to be that specific. Good. But I don't the, know, I don't know the Bering Sea, <laughs> the Bering Sea, I'm wanting to say, is north of the Aleutian Islands, I think, and the Bering Strait cuts to the Pacific Ocean, while the northern part of the Pacific Ocean is actually very, very cold. Were so, they on the northern part? Yes. Plot hole number two. Yeah, they were in the ship, and they were sweating in the ship that's been floating for 60 years. They did have jackets on. Murphy had a jacket on. Jackets in Arctic waters that they jumped in multiple times. True. Plot hole. And didn't get hypothermia. So that's my biggest issue with this film is the fact that they were in the Bering Strait and they didn't even emulate how cold it was. Like, I know it's hard to do, but like, come on, don't make them sweaty. Or just put them in a different strait, you know? Put them in a different sea or a different yeah. ocean, you know? The, I think it's just the Bering Strait was what they chose because... Um, I think it was because it was so far away from where it was initially. I don't think it was supposed to be there. And on top of the fact, it, the the Arctic areas are so desolate and not well-traveled, especially north of the Aleutian Islands and stuff like that. So it's a stretch, but that's probably why they put it there. But they did a bad job emulating how cold it should have been. Um, so anyway, from there, we we fall through the floor. Uh, Munder does. And he's like, don't let me go! Don't let me go! He's like screaming. And um, they're... Epps ends up looking through the hole in the floor and seeing our little, our little lovely girl. From the parent trap scene. Yep, where we're at the, the beginning and it's the little girl on the boat and she's very pale, but very much looking alive. Let's put it that way. But she doesn't match the rest of the boat. Like she's in a nice pristine she blue dress. She needs a really good nap to say the least. And maybe a Her transfusion. Her under eye bags for a 10 year old. She's not aging well. She needs... <laughs> She needs a nighttime routine. The Bering Strait did not treat her well. That's for sure. And also the fact that it was... I mean, all that aside, 60-something years older, she's looking great. Yeah. Like, fountain of youth. I want to know where it's at. Come on, girl. Cough it up. Um, so that's what our first, actually, ghostly sighting that we see. There's, like, little bits and pieces that you can see throughout the film that like, like, right you be- can observe. Right before that, uh, the... I am so bored changed to welcome aboard, which I, I thought was just like a cool little. Yeah, I actually oh. wrote that down in the movie notes. I forgot about it. I forgot to mention it. But yeah, it, it was like that was a cool detail. And it made it kind of like like it was going to be playful. Yes. It, 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 it did and then they immediately vibe. scared us. Yes. It, it was not playful in any capacity. Also, one thing, me watching it the first time, like I didn't pick up on this as much. But this time around, I paid a lot of attention, a lot of attention to Jack Ferryman. And um, he was nervous as hell 
that whole time they were up on that ship when they were like when they were investigating and stuff like that like he was like uppity and like moving around and like fluttering and Greer was like man sit the f down like yeah they have to assess and assess and see the damage and whatnot he's like safety first means you come last so you're staying in here and they basically locked him on the on the tugboat which they didn't. I mean, you know, he could walk around the tugboat and stuff, but he would not elevate him up to the second to the to the top of the ship because they had to get like an elevator to do it. It was like a little arm system that they have set up on this tugboat. And yeah, it. I was like, he's making me nervous. Also, like he's just a fluttery individual, making me nervous. And I guess you can attribute it to he's kind of greedy and he also wants the money and he doesn't want them to find anything that's quote unquote his. You know what I mean? Because he yeah. found the sh- the ship and he wants a finder's fee. Which is normal. They had agreed to a finder's fee. It's not like they were reneging on a deal or anything like that. So at this point, we see that Jack is very fluttery and very nervous. Uh, and then they go on board and stuff like that. We see the little girl. Um, they assess the damage and realize that it's going to take... It, they have to fix it within three days or they're going to lose the ship, basically. It's got too right. much water that's coming into it, too much damage, and it's not going to be able to be pulled back at all if it gains too much more. Right. Because um, so, Greer had said it needs, it's going to need, he was like, it's going to need three tugboats. If we fix it right now, we're, we're not going to be able to pull it back. And he was like, we're going to pull it back, just us, and we have to do it a lot of work fast. Yeah, pretty much. And it's and it's like they all want the money on this because this is, it's like it's been, uh, per maritime law, like it's been um, missing for so many years. So it's anybody's who finds it. Like it doesn't matter what water it's in. If you find it, it's yours. Yeah international waters aside like it didn't them matter. bringing the boat back alone will be enough to make the crew rich yeah so they they want to try yeah and i mean honestly i'm with them on that like that would be worth it to me yeah like it's worth the shot um so that's when we start seeing um and this is where we get more into the plot hole of the weather being an issue so Epps was t- sitting on deck on the tugboat thinking about how she had seen this little girl and she was convinced and she was like not sure 100 percent, but she was like I'm pretty sure I saw a girl but like I'm also not because I know I saw her and I didn't make her up but like what happened and ferryman is like here's a jacket and he's like <laughs> like uh coming on to her a little bit and then uh, that's when his game got quote-unquote aggressive why bring a girl a jacket when it's probably like negative twenty outside, seriously, like a ja- it, you're gonna need more than a jacket out there. So that is, uh, I'm gonna look it up. You take over for a moment. I'm gonna look up the average temperatures of the Bering Strait. Literally the hottest they can be because it, I feel like it's way colder than a jacket. What Especially was she wearing she, whenever he was offering the jacket? I can't. Like, I don't even. I didn't write the scene down. She's in a vest and a, a short sleeve shirt. And she might have been like in a short, like a, like a thin jacket, but it was like a Kentucky jacket, not an Alaskan jacket. I do not know. So anyway, we go. My next, I I wrote down about how they've got to fix the boat within three days and then they are immediately in the pool. So if there was anything between fix the boat in three days and pool, I did not retain it. Mean, so average, mean annual air temperatures range from 14, negative 14 degrees Fahrenheit in the northern areas to about 39 in the southern parts. Even 39 degrees, you're still going to need more than a jacket. Absolutely. So, at, on the average, she would need more than a jacket. She would at least need a light coat. So, assuming that it's summertime and Bering Strait, still not really feasible. Um, 
so before we go onto the boat and start discussing like the welds and stuff like that, there was a really interesting um, piece that I'm glad they included um, about the Mary Celeste, which was actually, I do believe it was based on a real situation. Like, and it could have been convoluted over time, of course, but the Mary Celeste was an actual, if I'm not mistaken, documented ghost ship. Uh, where the don't people, like that, yeah. Where people like it, it's just, even just talking about it makes me uncomfortable. Where it did run aground or something like that in like the Mediterranean Sea and went missing off the coast of South Carolina or something like that, and their crew was missing. It literally went through the Strait of Gibraltar, which is narrow as heck. That's all you need to know. Narrow as heck, narrow as heck <laughs> over in Europe. I don't like that. And it, it landed and it landed in the Mediterranean when they found it with nobody on board. And no signs of distress. So that's the story that um, uh, Murph was talking about. How true it is, I don't know. Because, you know, sailors, once again, superstitious. It could have gotten convoluted over time. I wonder in situations like that, though, if, like, a lot of people, like, you know, just jump ship eventually because, you know, you run out of resources or whatever else. Or, like... That's the theory. Like, they, they, they found some sort of island and, you know, the boat just went off adrift and they're, they're out living on some tiny little rock somewhere. American merchant brigantine discovered adrift and deserted in the Atlantic Ocean. And it was real. Like, it, it, it actually happened. And I think the, the, the concept was, like, that's where, that's what had happened was that they were starving and stuff like that. And I think there was possible, like, explosives aboard or something like that. Like, al- like, like drums of alcohol and gunpowder and stuff like that. And there was a situation that the theory was the situation had escalated and they thought it was going to blow. And they were more willing to risk their lives in the ocean yeah. than they were blowing up. And quite honestly, I'm with them. I think I would have jumped off too. And they were just never found, but the boat never blew up because the fire never reached it kind of thing. Dang. And that's why the boat was going full speed ahead was because they set it a sail. They set it sail on its own and let it go and was going to let it blow up out in the ocean with nobody on board. And they, they think that they drowned. That's what they think happened to the crew. After the Gibraltar hearings, Mary Celeste continued in service under new owners. I would not be doing that. No. Heck no. But yeah, absolutely fascinating. So, I mean, the, the ship actually survived on it. Like I said, it never blew up. There was no evidence that it blew up. It was just, they think it was just an absolute, just, it was a cluster truck of a situation. <laughs> so, yeah, they mentioned the Mary Celeste and Murph is kind of loosely comparing this boat to the Mary Celeste as, and hence the name, the ghost ship. Um, and then of course the welding, like they, they found the hole in the ship and the, and actually the, 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 where the hole is, obviously it's collecting water. So they, they need scoop gear and stuff to deter or to get to it and do underwater welds to get it fixed. So it's going to take some time. And at this point, when they're talking about it, like amongst themselves on the tugboat, so they're on safe, like safe area or whatever, like it's, it's not like going to sink under them or anything. This is when I notice that Murphy actually starts to seem greedy. And actually, um, Epps does too. Like, I mean, reasonably so. They want to get this ship. They want to get the possible jackpot that this would bring them if they can bring it back to, well, yeah, to dry ground. that's life-changing money. That's Absolutely. millions of dollars. That's like retirement for Murphy. And then Epps can get this salvaging business off the ground yeah. even more. Like, they're already successful. It would be even like the, the, the stuff she could do, you know? So at this point, you start to see a shift towards everybody being greedy, which is, like I said, reasonable in this situation. I'm not going to fault him for it because easy money, worth a shot. 
what was it? There was something that happened that they they should have notified the Coast Guard that the boat was there or something like that before the whole situation in the laundry yeah, room and stuff like they, that. There was something they he was like. first come back, Greer had mentioned that he wanted to call it in and let them know. That they were out there or something. Yeah. Because it was before they found the other stuff. Yeah. Literally any of the other stuff. And Greer also made the mistake of not calling it in. Yeah, they kind of just want to get cracking at this gold mine. And they start to work pretty much right away, I think. Um, And everybody decides to do the horror film cliche and split up. Everybody splits up. Why do we split up? I don't know. There wouldn't be a movie if we didn't. But, you know, it just bothers me. It's like, oh, my God. We'll have to do like a... a We'll have to do a movie where we find one where they don't split up and they work as a team. And then they still die. It doesn't matter. Because that would, you know, they'd be like, well, that's why you don't split up. Or that's why you do split up. Either way. Because the answer is you never get out alive. So anyway, they they all split up and um, Epps goes to the swimming pool and she sees the the first signs of distress. There are casings and rounds inside the pool. So here's, to me, another plot hole. Or the starts of some, maybe. Somewhere. One of my first questions whenever they had first gotten on the ship was, like, who cleaned up all of the shit ton of bodies that got chopped up in the first scene? And then it later on was explained that, you know, maybe things, you know, wishy-washed off or whatever. You know, it's been years that it's been sitting there. But the pool is its own room. So if something happened there, who cleaned the pool? I just want to... Who cleaned the pool? I wouldn't call that a plot hole. I just really want to know. Based Someone on what to I... clean the pool or based else there on what would be I do stuff know. in the pool, like dried blood something. Yes. Who, based, cleaned, who cleaned the pool? Somebody cleaned it. Yes. And that, I think, is, is part of it. Somebody cleaned that pool. But who could have cleaned it? Even us, with our knowledge right now of the end of the movie, no one cleaned it. It, No one went back to clean it because everyone... No one cleaned it. I know it's not that big of a deal. It is, but it isn't. I understand why you're asking. Because but why go through thinking... the trouble to put bullet holes and casings and make it so important that some sort of distress went down here? But there's not blood, but you don't explain where the blood went. Just saying. For once, you're thinking logically, and I'm trying to tell you, don't think too logically. You have to. Only when you don't like a movie, right? No, it depends. It depends on exactly. the movie. Exactly, that's what they, I'm getting at. No, it depends on where they're going with something. It's it, They don't wrap any of it up, so it's it's to me, it's poorly done. Okay. They've got to wrap it up. So I don't really have an answer for you right now, but I have an answer for you later that we'll talk about. Okay. I mean, just because I want to get to it. So we have this this plot hole pool uh, with lots of bullet holes in it as well. And um, actually, Epps ends up seeing the girl and getting spooked. And a good jump scare here. And she falls back in the pool and she hits her head. Well, the pool sucks up the blood from her head. And nobody notices this. And Jack comes along and he's like, you okay? Did you hurt yourself? Like, what's going on? And... They start chit-chatting, and she's like, I saw that girl again as they're walking away. Well, the pool starts to fill up with blood, and subsequently, bodies. The pool fills up with bodies. So I'm just telling you now, like, 
that in and of itself is illogical. It's it's just the magic no of the boat. But because no one saw it, that I pointed that out whenever it happened, though. Why did they fill the pool up with blood and bodies if no one saw the blood and bodies? Other than viewer understanding, nothing. I really don't think there was significance to it. And it could be maybe there's deleted scenes that Is were left out. Is there a ghost that lives in the pool that really likes to clean the pool? Actually, Other than that, oh, like, what's oh, the point? Oh. Um, the people that were shot into the pool, mm-hmm. they were they were trying to get her attention. That's the answer. But obviously they couldn't do it. Um because our little girl Katie is also obviously trying to get her attention this whole time. There are other ghosts that are like Katie that are trying to get their attention at various times. Including the really captain. Slow reflexes. You're not They're wrong. They're missing the crew. You're not wrong. Every time. It's like, oh no, there you go. So I that's still, all I can I think. I still of. don't like the plot hole bit of it being I don't know, just a magically self-cleaning pool once people die in it. Like, My guess is that um, somebody's supernatural abilities, he used them to clean the pool out and get the water out somehow, magically. But also, like I said, with her blood being dropped into the pool, they were able to use that to their advantage kind of but then it didn't it didn't matter but it was it, but it, it was matter. made it, but it was made to be that was it was the in that particular scene where the blood went from her head into the pool and then started dripping back out and then after in a minute it fills up with blood and body separate well and you also have to consider too duh um got it we're talking about it too early but our bad guy wanted to get her away from the pool that is a really, it's a really subtle situation, like a chain of events that's happening. He probably recognized that something was happening because he keeps tabs on all of them. And he knew what was going on. And lo and behold, a distraction comes along. Like I said, loose, very, very it's too tenuous. Loose. It's too, very it's tenuous. too messy. I, I'm going to stick with that. I think that's what happened. And, but it, yeah, I can see where you're coming from too. There's just a lot it's of very, these starting very to add loose, up. Very loose. Um, so from there, we start experiencing stuff like this all over the boat. And people are actually seeing it, too. Like, you've got Greer that's hearing a woman's voice singing to him. You've got... Um, the captain. The captain showing room. up in the mirror and stuff like that. And, like, Murph thought he was losing his mind. The dudes with the kitchen stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that had happened yet. But, yeah, like, the... There was, like, food in the kitchen that turned to maggots and stuff like that in their mouths. No. Oh, God, it was awful. Uh, but, no, I don't think that had happened yet because they were trying to figure out how to survive after that point. And that's when the food happened. Let's see, where am I in my notes? Um, after, oh, that's actually where we get to the laundry room. Because Jack and Epps are now together. And they're chit-chatting and shooting the breeze, kind of-ish. And they're just investigating, trying to find, you know, stuff on this boat or whatever. And uh, they get in the laundry room, like a central laundry. And they open a door, which that seems like a bad idea on a ship filling with water anyway. But they open a door and out comes pouring this water. And out come at least, I know you see at least two bodies come out. And these bodies are fresh. Like these bodies have been, you know, sitting in getting waterlogged for a couple months probably or something like that and that's another plot hole bodies disintegrate and are just slushies of big nasty so fast in water especially in water 
So yes, unless they had people, because I mean, they weren't like giant bloated bodies. They were nasty, but like they weren't like they were squishy. But that was about it. It. I mean, it showed their faces, and it's. It, I just feel like it should have been. I, I don't know. I feel like they maybe should have been a little more damaged. Maybe I don't know. Like water damage, yeah, yeah. Essentially. Here's our answer, and this is actually science: cold water. We are in the Bering you Strait. You can't say that, but that's the mm, consistency. No, I that's the the inconsistency with how they're presented visually outside exactly. of the water. So if if the water is cold enough to preserve bodies, which in the Bering Strait it is, then they needed to have more like coats on presenters that it was cold. Yeah, and like even in the wetsuits, like you can have wetsuits on and still stay warm. I'm not talking about the scuba diving scenes because then I'm talking my about brain, when they're wet with, with and above them water. Still being so preserved, my brain not knowing bearing straight, you know, information, and, and them not wearing jackets and then not sweating. looking cold, it makes it seem like those bodies came from four days ago. You know, bodies have been retrieved almost completely intact from waters below seven degrees Celsius. This water's below seven degrees Celsius. After several weeks and as recognizable skeletons after five years. So you can recognize who the bodies are. Like you can see their faces still after five years. In seven degrees Celsius below. Like that's really cold. Um, it, it's, it has to do with the fat from the bodies. It, it like reacts differently to cold water than it does to warm water. So it, in a way it almost mummifies the bodies. Or protects yeah, which, them against Yeah, which it. is fine. It's just it's right. the same thing. That's it's not an issue. Consi- Whoever it's the was in charge problem. of like continuity with this movie... To they me, fell short. Yeah. And I would say that's probably the biggest flaw, in my opinion, is the the, the lack of continuity. Yeah. Which I hate to say because I feel bad dogging on, like, behind-the-scenes crew, but, like, that's a big mistake. It's, 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 and I mean, it could be somebody else's cup of tea, but for me, it ruins a movie because I can't. Well, you were imagining normal water. I can't water. figure out what I'm needing to figure out about the movie. Like, okay, is this, like, a one that I have to sit here and think about? Because I'm obviously getting stuck on the things that didn't go anywhere. They didn't go anywhere right. with it. So I was just like, oh. Well, and I mean, there's so many tropes out there that still make it into movies and books. Like, people still believe that if you cross running water, a dog can't follow your scent. Actually, what water does when you cross it, it funnels your scent and makes it stronger. And the dogs find it more easily. So, if you're running away from nice. prison, do not cross a stream. It's not going to work. Parker can stink, but if she comes in from the rain, she really stinks. So, yeah, water like makes everything yeah. smell worse or better. It's like the salt of the wets. Whatever that means. You know, like salt enhances like a food's flavor. Oh, yeah, the salt of the wets. Okay. Now I process. Yeah. Anyway, way off topic. So, there's the science behind the laundry room bodies. But once again, we have a continuity error in visual aspects of it. And salt. A little bit of information on some salt. Yes. Um, so as, and this is one issue that I had with the film. Of course, like, Jack being a greedy boy and not really caring about the bodies. Like, they need to go back and tell Murph and, like, Epps is up in arms about it. We need to tell the Coast Guard. We need to do all this. We need to do this. Well, Jack stumbles across a car nice fancy 1960s car he was like oh man or it was a 1958 something and he was like oh this is such a cool car and then he he draws her attention into this room behind him he's like standing there talking and she sees something moving behind him as this whole time she's like look jack we need to go we need to tell the coast guard she looks behind him and sees this thing moving or whatever and it's uh, there's rats in that back room while they open these crates that these rats are under or they're on top of and stuff they're crawling all over it there's gold inside Bricks upon bricks upon bricks upon bricks of gold. Everybody's mood changes, including Epps, and I don't know why. Like, that's one thing that's like, 
was she that greedy too that she was like, you know what, let's let's get this gold and then we'll tell the Coast Guard. Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't even call it I wouldn't even call it greedy. And here's why. That's that's another plot point for me because if I'm thinking logically, if I was already at this job, which seems to be a life and death situation job no matter what, because their first scene was just as intense and wild and it was just their regular job. That's true. Very so on the edge. It's all a the time. very dangerous job. There's not other people that do it, you know, whatever. Those bodies are still gonna be dead, whether they tell them right now or in three hours. But their timeline of needing to get the boat either fixed so people can even get the dead bodies because it's out in the middle of somewhere that they're not gonna be able to retrieve the the boat from. Right. So at this point, and they it'll are be a still, body rescue. Their at this goal point. is still yeah. fixing the boat. It makes the most sense to move the most valuable thing, the gold, to the tugboat first. And then immediately try to fix the ship. Now, Greer can still notify the Coast Guard, whatever. But that is not as urgent because those bodies are not going to be any less dead in, in, in an hour or a day. Right. And but the they Coast have Guard... to fix the ship within three days when they already have an overload of work where they don't think they can do it. Right. And the Coast Guard doesn't need to go know about the gold. So I see what you're saying. Like... It... Like, if I had... That's the, not relevant to why the bodies are dead, these, technically. No one ever thought that they were going to find these bodies, they were going to find this ship. Like, it's been missing since the 60s, you know? Right. So, if I'm going to put gold that's going to, like, set my family up, like, I'm absolutely going to value that and want to get that on that boat. Like, sorry about those bodies, really sorry, but that's, like, 40 years old, at least. I don't think that anyone was expecting those bodies back in, like, great condition or in, like, speedy time. I would prioritize the gold, too. I don't think it's that they were being uncharacteristically greedy. I don't think any human okay. would react differently. That's the key. They're not uncharacteristically greedy. It's it's natural. It's still greed in a way, but it's natural greed. It's like That's survival. That's payment for it's, their job, It's though. survival. Yeah. That's their gold. Yeah. It's no different than, like, their if their wallet was on the floor. That's technically their money from yeah. the law, so they want to get it off the boat. Right, and that's true, like, maritime law. That, you know, that's, that's their th- stuff. That is their stuff. They're the finders. It's not greedy to take their own stuff. They have the right to... That's their payment. Yeah. They have the right to their uh, sunken treasure, basically, but not quite sunken yet. Yeah. Um... And logic of, yeah of course they they all have their little meeting and stuff and they're like look at all this gold this is great yeah because they weren't like not willing to spread it they immediately was like even split yeah let's all they take weren't, this gold everybody yeah. gets some everybody gets a crate crate for you crate for you crate for everyone check under your chair there's a crate there too yeah <laughs> you know it's like oprah winfrey of gold they start prepping the boat to um i think santos was working on the boat there was something wrong with the engine like when they had crashed or before they had crashed, like, the boat just needed some work anyway. It wasn't anything severe, and they just needed to fix up, soup up For the them engines. to be able to pull that boat with just they their tugboat, he That's was right. trying to make it even plausible. Right, because I, I remember one of the engines went down at the first salvage at the beginning of the boat, at the beginning of the movie, and they were just trying to get that back up and running to be able to tug this boat back to shore. That should take three boats. Yeah. <laughs> so... He's down there working on that, and Greer's like, let's get this party started, and they're, like, getting ready to pack up the gold, I guess, and, like, I don't know what they were getting ready to do, because I don't think the boat had, no, the boat had been welded, that's right, they had already fixed the boat, they just needed to pump the water, and they could do that while they were moving, I guess, Mm -hmm. so they were going to start pulling this boat, Greer started it up, the little tugboat, and we see Katie again, our little our little girl, and she's like, "No, don't stop the boat! Don't stop the boat!" And then somebody like dive bombs her off the boat, 
Like, you don't see who it is. You just see this person, like, straight up just, like, tackle her and get her off the boat. And Epps tries to stop Greer from starting the boat. And then something had happened. There was sabotage, like, supernatural supernatural sabotage. Like, you watch the knob of the gas open up. It was like a up. propane tank or something. It was, yeah, it was some sort of propane tank or, or something like that. And, and Santos smelled it. And he was like, no! And Greer started the boat. And it blew up the entire tugboat. Exploded. Yep. Fortunately, they hadn't, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, they hadn't um, unpacked the gold yet. It was still on the big ship. They were just getting ready to go. And, uh, yeah, uh, Santos did not make it, um, but Greer did. So now we are fighting for survival. This is where they're stuck on this boat now. Their boat, like, literally sank. Like, it yeah, was, it it was went, completely it destroyed. It went from, it's a job, and we're going to get out of here with our money, to... We may not make it. Yeah. It, it, it went from zero to 60 very fast. It was, we may not survive this. So they started sending people out to look for food. They were like, let's build a raft. They were like, no, let's fix this puppy up and at least drift her back to shore. Yeah, like, there was currents that was already going to pull it to crash at some rocks within three days anyway, which is why they needed to fix it. It was following a current. Yep, and it was going to hit the rocks. So their goal was to stay on it until they were as close to the islands as possible and then jump off before it crashes again. And I think they were going to try to attempt to miss the islands and, like, yeah. get it back to shore somewhere. But I don't know where they were going to end up. I guess the Pacific Rim, it would have been flowing, um, coming down the coast of Alaska towards California. Well, it would have been coming up the coast of the Aleutians down the coast of Alaska, if that makes sense. Geography. I felt that. So, yeah, Greer is all salty, and he's upset. He's up in arms. He misses his fiance, and he kind of wanders off by himself and meets Francesca. Um, Munder and Dodge are in the kitchen looking for food. The captain goes and drinks his sorrows away with the other captain. <laughs> People are starting to see things more, and it's once again, it's, it's escalating very fast, and it's like getting more and more active. The first one to die on board the boat, I believe, was Greer. He comes across Francesca, starts, and he was like, You can't cheat on your fiance with a dead girl, right? And, and of course, Francesca's like, Of course not, you know, in her little Italian her Italian language that she's speaking, I guess it would be Italian. And, um, she lures him very cleverly. Like the, this is very cool. Like just the way everything's going. She lures him down a hall and stuff like that. And she starts taking her dress off and you see her boobies and stuff. And then she stands in front of this like open door and he goes to grab her and, uh, presumably like, you know, grab handles on things and have a good time. And, um, yeah, he grabs nothing and falls through her to his death in the elevator shaft. Francesca turns around and she's, she's a hag. He, gets. he literally was trying to sleep with a ghost and cheat on his fiance. Like, Just what? because he was mad. He was mad. That's all it was. He was pissed off, having a bad time, and he was just like, I just need a break. So now he's dead. Doesn't matter. Good. So Epps goes off on her own as well. And tries to find the girl. Like, she's the only one that's convinced, like, that this, this boat is weird. There's, there's, this girl is, like, a spirit of some kind. And she's like, I just need to confirm that she's a spirit kind of thing. She's like, I've been seeing her around. And she's not behaving like everyone else. And she's in a really freaking old dress. Like, is she a ghost? And she finds her cabin and stuff like that with the help of the little girl. You know, like, closing doors and stuff like that. You know, down the hall. Very, very good jump scare there, too. We go in there, we, we start finding who she is. Her name's Katie, and we see her drawings, and she opens the wardrobe door and finds Katie's dead body hanging from inside the wardrobe. 
So that was, like, ultra sad. You know, it's like this little 12-year-old girl is hanging from a rope. Like, what happened here? Like, how did she kill herself kind of thing? But, um, so that's... And then she ends up, like, having a conversation with her, too, I believe. And we see, like, blood starts coming through the ceiling, but, like, evil blood. It's, like, like sentient... Evil blood. It's evil blood. <laughs> it's, like, sentient blood coming through the light fixture and stuff like that. And she's like, he doesn't want me talking to you. And she's trying to tell her as much as she can before she disappears. And then she's like, Katie, what's wrong? And then Katie's gone. Like, you don't know what happened. Like, she could be, like, dead again for all dead we know. Dead again. So at some point, um, when Murph and the captain are drinking together and all this is going down with Katie and Francesca and Greer, we find out that the gold had been picked up from the sh- a ship called the Lorelei and was brought on board two days before their ship disappeared. Then the Lorelei, I think, was also sinking and they managed to salvage the... That was me. Mm-mm. Did not like that. What? It sounded far away and I was like... No, that was me. Um, so we're, we're piecing the story together very quickly at this point. And then um, I think Epps goes to find Katie or something like that and stumbles upon Greer. Yeah, that's pretty much all consecutive. Like, after Katie managed yeah, to... Yeah, my order is they find out about the Lorelai. It's fast. Um, I mean, it is so fast. Katie gets attacked by the mysterious he that doesn't want him talking. Murphy mm-hmm. attacks Epps, Greer dies, and then Katie takes Epps back. Oh, and at some point Katie talked about, like, marked souls and unmarked souls and stuff like that. So that's, um... That's where it starts getting into another one where... Yeah, that's bits and pieces where, um... Where I was talking about earlier, the, the souls that were in the pool that were trying to get Epps' attention, they had to have been unmarked souls, which are humans who died that were not guilty of a of a strong sin like that um like murder or like theft or like cheating or or rape or something like serious sins like those are the ones that somebody can mark such another plot hole to me i'm just so why is that a plot hole to you what this is why we're here why make a distinction between marked and unmarked souls but then not care if you're going to take marked or unmarked souls because any souls is fine if you're looking for marked souls and they're more important, I feel like a scam, instead of, like, going from cruise boat to cruise boat trying to see if people are going to get guilty or not guilty about they gold, did. they could just, like, his little, you know, whoever that is behind this could just, like, go to a prison or something and maybe just pretend to be an inmate for a while and wipe one of them out, you know? Just, like, yeah. go go and find, like, you know, dangerous, actual, I don't know, violent crime offenders and do something or go go skulking on the streets like why this big boat scheme i think what's going on here it's like management doesn't care about marked or unmarked souls like you said but the exception it's like so why bring up the distinction his uh... abilities allow him to mark souls that were marked almost themselves by these grave sins and by doing that he can completely control marked souls souls that were innocent he cannot mark them his powers do not extend to that and he cannot control them he well, can he try like a big old dummy head for not planning things out a little bit because uh, you would marking think more that you souls? would want to not be you would think you would care about mark versus unmarked souls so you've got more people on your side that are controllable exactly and That's i see what just, you're saying like 
that's too much. He's this is too much. I mean, as it is, like he he made such a layered scheme, like in the the it's whole. It's so spiel. layered. It's dumb to me. Like it's just too much. I think maybe after a lifetime of doing this for how many years we don't freaking know, you probably get bored. And you want to do something interesting. Like, this is, like, spicing up his little sex life kind of thing. This is just, like... His little soul life. He's spicing things up. There's only so many things I can... Movies about, though. I, I get it. That's fine. That's it's fine. too much. It's just... It's doing too much. It's trying to do too much and falling short for me. Guess and no for me. Like, this is one that I will, I will stand behind. We do see the... Like I said, we see the schemes that that Jack had actually put together 60-something years ago or 50-something years ago, whatever it was at the time this movie was made. Uh, and he gets the crew to, like, poison their guests. And then he gets, like, the handlers to kill the kitchen crew. Uh, or, no, he gets, like, the like the deckhands and stuff like that to kill the kitchen crew. And he poisons all the guests and stuff like that in the dining room. And one of them must have been the one that pulled the handle on the dance floor and stuff like that. Um, and then there's like a smaller scheme where Francesca got one of the handler, the deckhands to turn on his friends that he did this whole scheme with. Uh, and he shot them all in there and killed all them. And when he turned around, Francesca shot him. And then Francesca turns around and there's Jackie boy who is like her apparent lover or something of this at this time not really lover but like you know let's let's whisk away together and take this car and all this gold and kill everyone on board kind of thing and um he ends up hooking her like straight up hooking her like this is the worst hookup ever does it show him dying right there or no jack no it just shows him like walking away See, I just, I just don't get it. Nope, he, he killed her. Like, he looked up at the he hook mentions, when they were kissing, and then the hook comes down and kills her, and he just, just walks away. That's just one thing that just didn't, another one that just didn't make sense to me. Like, they make everyone turn on each other cool, and then it's brought up to be that Francesca is the bad guy. Like, it makes it that she's, like, the ringleader. Just for two seconds later to psych, it's not actually her that's in control at all. She played these people and, you know, had them do the dirty work. When in reality, she was getting played. So yep. that was annoying to me, just the... That's what I'm saying. It was a multi-layer scheme. Everybody was playing everybody, and they all thought they were on top. But the only one who was on top was obviously Jack. And the souls are trapped until he gets enough, right? Correct. I think the... And that's another... Pl- that That's... Stupid. This is a little one that's... This is a little weird for me, too, because, like... The, Must collect 500 souls in a jar before I'll actually take it. Like, it just don't make sense. And I think that's all I can think of, describe it. It's like with the, with the boat, it gives him semi-physical com- confines to the ghosts and stuff like that. And also, like, I mean, ghosts can technically probably go anywhere they want. But, like, what ghost just wants to aimlessly drift over the ocean until they find no, land? I think Katie said that she can't go anywhere. They're stuck there. Okay, so they are stuck there. And it could be, like I said, it could be, like, genuine isolation, like, physically, like, wow, it would take forever to get there, or if we leave, we die, or we literally can't leave. Like, there's there's many things that it could be, and it's not explained exactly why this, this ship is a jar for souls. We don't, we don't know. Other than he talks the exception about needing of he, to fill his quota and stuff, but then that just doesn't make sense that it would just, like, they'd just be hanging out, waiting around. 
yeah. until he hits the ones that aren't marked because they really are just waiting around. Thousand? What's yeah, God? We don't know. I just because he's been collecting people over the over the 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 fifty years too, not just the ones from yeah the and he had mentioned Braxa. that he the whole reason that he had that job was because he had done. He'd done that kind of stuff in real life. Like, yeah. he died doing that kind of Cause thing. Because that's what... that And whenever he explains it, that's what it was presumed that, like, the whole Francesca storyline, that's... You would think that that was when he was a human, and that was what was the big bad thing that had caused him to need to be tied to the boat. But they don't confirm that with him having any sort of death with the boat. So then it's like, okay, was that a whole other scheme? Because if so, like, God, why is he still doing this with this boat? He's got a weird connection, little sensitive... It's actually a good question. No, because he had powers at that point, so he wasn't human. He was already dead. He was already the collector. Where did it show powers before that? Because I didn't because catch that. Because he was kissing her, and he looked at the hook and, like, commanded it to kill her. That hook was securely up there, and, like, he, he like, actually, like, pulled the pin out and made the hook fall. And it was, like, on the ceiling. Like, it wasn't, like five feet away and he was like so that means that this dude like instead of this time like going and finding a job he went and like seduced a lady because they was like kissing and stuff so it's presumed that they at least like talked a little bit about the plan and maybe Mm -hmm. like had plans for stuff and that's why it just i don't get it (laughs) i'm not sure i can give you an explanation for that one but yeah at that point they leave a lot open at that point he was already the collector yeah. That's all we know. And we, like I said, we don't know how long he's been doing this or how many, you can only presume he did it on the Lorelei as well. Yeah. And then beyond that, what did he do? And like, okay, so the Lorelei. They don't mention much about sunk it. Sunk or it like floated wherever and they found it. Yes. And they, so I think they rescued all the souls some people from the Lorelei on board. Did he finish it or are they all the souls from the Lorelei too? Did they also transfer boats? Like, it's a good question. I wonder if he had already collected everyone from that boat and this was his new boat because the Lorelei sank. They should have explained it. I feel like there's a lot of doors that could be opened here that they did not. So now that we've gone way off track, although we're still talking about the movie and the, the gigantic plot holes and debating everything. It just, the movie left me wanting more, but not wanting more of what the movie was about. Wanting more information because they didn't tell it to me. Yeah, you just want more story. You're like, this would be fine if you would just If you would just clarify it. some points so I'm not irritated. Exactly. Just just tell me, please. This is a little too abstract. Why are you so sensitive about boats? Do we get a prequel movie eventually about when you were a kid that, like, explained your affinity for boats? What is it? I need to know. <laughs> After we see all of this stuff go down with Francesca and the whole hook scene, which was... I mean, you have to admit the After grizzly scene... After we get scene, our confirmation that the pilot is... Is the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise, Jack's our bad guy. He was nervous for a reason. He was fluttery for a reason. He was trying to kill them. Like, that was his goal. And actually, he... I'm not saying, like, Desmond Harrington is, like, you know, James McAvoy level or anything like that. But the switch we see shortly after this point, like, um, Munder is going to pump... Or he's going to go clean out the clog that's in the pump from where they were welding and clearing out that water and stuff. Dodge is in the cockpit... Um, oh shoot, we missed this spot. I'm sorry. Let me go back briefly. Um, Santos comes back and starts plaguing Murph after he finds out about all this stuff and all the gold coming from the Lorelei and he starts plaguing him and he tries, Santos tries to get Murphy to kill Epps. Like he, he kind of becomes Epps for him. Like, I can't think of the right word. 
But it's like, Epps is still Epps. She's still a completely, over, like, she's in control of herself. But, like, Santos is making Murphy see him and make him feel guilty. And he's like, you're dead, you're dead. Like, I, I, I'm so sorry and stuff like that. But then, you know, Santos is trying to kill Murphy. So Murphy is now trying to kill Santos. And he's trying to get them to kill each other, basically. Well, it doesn't happen. And they throw Murphy into an aquarium that has no water in it. And they just lock him in there. It's a completely dry aquarium. It's been empty for, you know, 40-something, 50-something years. And then when um, when Epps comes back from all this and finds out that Jack is their bad guy, the aquarium is now completely filled with water. And Murphy is inside and dead. So she goes to tell Dodge what's going on. And she's like, hey, I need you. And then Jack comes in and he's like, oh, my God, I just saw Murphy. What's going on? You know, he's being his normal fluttery self. And then she's like subtly trying to tell Dodge, don't let each other out of your sight. Murphy's dead. Something fishy's going on. Yeah. So it's don't let him out of your sight. It's like literally this guy is the something fishy going on. And um, and then she tries to go find Munder, who is down, like I said, in the in the in the hole trying to pump out that water and fix the clog. That actually brings me uh, I do more research real quick. So at some point, Munder had gotten tangled up in gears that were not previously on. And while he was in the water, the gears turned on and grabbed his fins. Not like reached out and grabbed him. Like he yeah, was swimming there up and his, and his, his fins, fins were there. Got caught up. Yeah. This was a plot hole that you pointed out. And I'm not sure that it's... During all... the movie, yeah. Yeah, like... And this may be a question that someone else can answer, but I'm not really seeing much... How much pressure would it take for a gear, like metal stuff, to crush a scuba tank? Now, we're not talking deep sea diving gear. We're talking just standard scuba gear. But it showed, like, in comparison, like, I mean, the gear to person size, like, I think that that should have caused the tank to bust. I don't think that the gaps were big enough. If the gaps were small enough to catch a fin, I think that they were, you know, small enough to have compressed and squashed a tank. Which should have caused some sort of explosion. Like, you can't even, like, drop them in your own house. Like, they can bust. Like, so, the, com- the compression, it's compressed. So, that said, that you're saying it would have gotten caught in the gear and the pressure from the gear yes. would have caused the tank to burst. There was no, like, they did not fall on the ground. They went through. They was on one side, on the other side. Not bust. But every bit of him was crunched up and it was attached to his body. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it should have at least... And it went in lengthways. Like, it would have crunched it up and caught a hold of it, and it would have either had to bend it because of the size of the gear. It was, like, half of the tank. It would have had to either take half of the tank and bend it in that way, or just from it going and crunching any of it. It in. would have burst it the, wouldn't have the, even the turned top. It. it would have just busted. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I didn't pay attention to it, but it, it would have crushed it, I do think. So... That's just, once once again, one of those continuity things. And also, it could have been a low-budget thing. Like, maybe they didn't have a way to crush the scuba tank, but, like, you can make, like, a styrofoam scuba tank. Come on. You make Something. styrofoam rocks. Everything. Everything is fake in movies. Even glass is, like, jello. Or just make the, the gear fall off or make him have him fall into the water without the gear on him so it doesn't have to explode. Yeah. Just something that's not that. Because <laughs> yeah. it should have... It should have exploded. It should have maybe not even like exploded like concussively, like you know, there should have been at least some. It should have burst and sprayed air. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying now. So it should have crushed it, and it probably would have. And I did not notice that it did not. So anyway, Epps finds Munder's dead chum, 
in the water and um dodge and jack get into a scuffle while dodge has a shotgun and he decides to shoot jack and go tell epps what's going on he's good i got him he's dead i got him for you don't worry like he's gone no this man like he lays on the on the ground plays dead and uh, oh i was gonna say the whole james mcavoy thing real quick (laughs) i forgot uh he switched from like this nervous fluttery guy to the straight up stoic like angry disgruntled employee more than anything like he's just like hi my name's jack ferryman how can i help you like i I resonate that like resonates on a personal level with me now that he has flipped switches and um dodge finds out that he's a monster of some sort he tries to kill him well obviously dodge doesn't know that this guy is immortal and jack stands up and kills him presumably off camera like you don't actually see it and dodge comes in to where uh epps is and she's trying to blow the welds to sink the ship to free the souls and all that fun stuff you know woohoo and um dodge is like let's just let it go let's just take the ship back and we'll get the gold and we'll have our own ship together and she's like what are you talking about and he she basically friend zones him and then she was like why haven't you asked me where munder is and of course it's it's not dodge it's jack and we have this scuffle at the end where he barters with her for the ship for her life and stuff like that. There was a, there was like fighting. Thing. He said that he just needed you to fix the ship. Yeah. Why? He was going to kill her because he couldn't fix the ship himself. That's one of, that's one of the limitations it was, it of his powers. It was just that big, of, that big of a deal. He just, he really wanted a ship. I don't know. I wonder if it like the ship just like flies off into the sunset and like, you know, just departs. Like why, why do the souls get freed if she sinks the ship? You know, like, why i don't know why don't they because if it's not if it's not an entire ship if it already has holes in it how does that contain them yeah that doesn't that doesn't make sense yeah i feel like a prequel definitely would have would suffice here to fill in these blanks maybe with like a another iteration of one of these things these soul collectors these reapers he called himself like a salvager of souls in a way so i i understand it's it's a little confusing not knowing where what the rules are of this afterlife spiel he's got there's going literally on. like i just I, there should have been more answers <laughs> i just i can't i can't sum it up more than that well we're almost done here and you can be done with it and done thinking about it for the rest of your life unless i bring it up to you again because i love this movie so much uh so they fight over the trigger where the c4 is and stuff like that and he gets it away from her and like yeets it up onto the catwalk well she finds a harpoon gun that i i don't know where this harpoon gun came from but I don't know where she got it, but she is a hell of a good shot with his harpoon gun. And she uh, points it at him, and he's like, what are you going to do, kill me? And he's like, you know, like, like amping up, like bouncing, like, like waiting to, like, either take the hit or dodge the hit, whatever. And then she looks above him, and, of course, he looks up and sees the trigger, and she shoots it with the harpoon gun and blows up the side of the ship. Um, and, of course, all these souls float away and are free. And they fly away because to heaven. Because apparently these things that can go through walls and, you know, fill up swimming pools with blood and bodies and then, you know, maybe Kindlin put them back. I don't know play what happened blocks. afterwards. Yeah, yeah, like all these souls just, woo, we're out of the ship now. We're free. Yeah, so all these flo- these souls float How to heaven. How is that what frees them? Uh, I see. Uh, Why would just killing them not immediately get their soul? And if... If it didn't immediately get their soul, which it didn't because they were on the boat, then, like, 
What was tying into the boat? This was the early 2000s, okay? They didn't think about this stuff, I guess. You can't just excuse plot holes because it was... Oh, they didn't have brains back then. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's really hard for them to think about consistencies. This is... It's not even the 2000s yet. This was when the barrel of screenplays was drying up, okay? This is when they started rebooting things that shouldn't have been rebooted. They're still doing that. I don't excuse it because there are some awesome quality and awesome plot movies from older times. And they just needed to step it up. Yep. And Gothica came out a year later. Great film. Yeah, I just, I can't just do anything but judge this. (sighs) That's okay. That's okay. So she ends up getting picked up. Like, this girl's like sunburnt and waterlogged and like super dehydrated. And she would have died of hypothermia long before this happened because the Bering Strait is freaking cold. And um, she gets picked up by a cruise liner, which that makes sense because, I mean, it's an Alaskan cruise. Like, that's super common. Cruise liner makes sense. Cool. And um, they end up taking her back to probably Anchorage or something. And um, they give her medical aid, like urgent medical aid beyond what they could give her on the boat. (laughs) She looks out the back of the ambulance and she sees that damn gold getting loaded back up into the next boat with her crew putting it on the boat. And Jack is back, and he looks at her and just kind of gives her a side eye and just walks up the ramp to the boat. How did the gold get off of the exploded boat? It had to be a Jack thing, because that gold would have sank. It's heavy. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is... There's too much not explained. Is the gold even real? What is his... And then it's like, okay, is his connection to the gold, or is it to the boat? His connection really is to neither. Like, he's just a collector of souls, but I don't know why he didn't just, like, send them one by one. Like you said, like, collect people on land and send them as they die or something. It just don't make sense. Why do they have to be souls that were killed? It don't make sense. And then what was Other the point was in the Mark versus Mark souls? Like, it just, there's just too much that they brought up that sh- there should have been more done with it or should, they should have left it out. Right. Cool world in theory, but it's like... That's not They never enough. continued it to make it yeah, that's a like decent storyline. I, story like, I see, what you're, see what you're saying. That's like if I made a movie and, like, off the bat, you know, like, there's, like, a werewolf that's, like, buddies with this vampire. And then over here there's, like, this griffin. But actually the story is about, like, collecting mushrooms. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Why did we even show the werewolf being best friends with the vampire? Because that would have been, like, a more interesting. It doesn't. I don't get it. <laughs> I like how small your I don't get it got. I don't get it. I don't get boats. I don't get this story. I don't. I don't get anything. That pretty much sums up the movie and how we feel about it. I mean, I I love this movie. I recommend it to a lot of people. I'm not going to say it's the best movie in the world as far as, like, obviously filling in plot holes and explaining everything perfectly and stuff like that. I'm never going to say that. There was a couple of cool scenes. Like the like the, jumps, the jump stairs were done well. The, yeah, the snap scene was cool. Cool thought. And I feel like even the overall concept of like this ghost ship being cursed yeah, and stuff like ship. that. But they could have just made like the ghost scary. You know, it could have just been like, a ship that's scary because there's ghosts on it. I <laughs> like feel like story. that's what ghost ship should be about. You know, <laughs> the, that's the and, and maybe that's why this movie is so underrated. Cause like, it's a mixed bag. Like it's, it's literally half and half. And then if you're going to, here's the thing, if you're going to make it a ghost ship movie and there's good ghosts, then you're trying to sympathize with the good ghosts, like Katie and stuff like that. And the then ones that maybe got the, the bad guy the... should be a bad ghost, you know, like why the do one... you have to have a good ghost 
and some bad ghosts in, but we're also going to have a demon that collects the ghosts, but only on, like, their time. You know, we're going to wait whenever, like, the boat's good. It's like, um, I'm going to wait till I have 154,000 souls, and then I'm going to take them But on this boat. Uh, yes, yeah, specifically. Like, we'll keep you all Let's here. Let's see how many. So, everyone take a number. We're just going to sit like we're sitting at the DMV, and if someone comes along, we're going to collect them, too. Unacceptable. <laughs> I love this movie. So... This is an even number episode. I believe I do even number episodes now. First. So I give this movie. This one was a hard your, call. You, you can do it on your, your movie suggestions if we're alternating. That can help. That's true too. But yeah, we do some random stuff sometimes. I give this movie a four out of five. Because I really I enjoy never. it. I really enjoy it. I And I, I rate it this way because... I do watch this movie over and over again. And I do recommend it to people. Obviously, I recommended it to you. And I'm sorry you didn't like it, but I would still not... I don't regret regretting it or recommending it See, to you. See, I would... Like, if instead of recommending the movie, I would recommend... Look up the opening scene to Ghost Ship. That's a cool scene. But I want people to watch the whole movie. I would not care to recommend the whole movie to somebody. Which is why I understand. Like, I sat and watched it. Like, I, like you could sit and watch it to me. Like... Just in a chill session or whatever, but yeah, I, I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah. And if you did, you'd complain about it just as much. And the more that I've actually sat and thought about it, I'm going to change my rating. No! I am. The more that we've talked about it, it's made me more frustrated with it. So I'm, I was going to say a 2.5, but I'm taking it down a notch to two. It's, it's a stale popcorn. It's a stale popcorn. It didn't make you regret wasting two hours of your time because there were cool scenes. That's about it. That's really all I got from you. Yeah. <laughs> there are some cool scenes in it, but I'm mostly and it's not left the frustrated. Worst out there. It's just you're frustrated with it. Yeah. I'm very. You'll see. We'll watch Waterworld one day, and I'll be just I'm going as mad. To. I I've wanted to watch that movie for years because every time I've wanted to watch it, it was on TV and like that's gonna I had have to go to, to church or something. It's gonna have to be our next movie because. That way it'll show a fair, like, it's not, like, it's just some movies, the way things are left off and not explained will just get me heated up. So, Waterworld will probably also be, Waterworld's probably a one for me. It ruins the movie that much. That's pretty bad. Because that's how I felt about Guns of Kimbo is 1.5. It was bad. But it, I'm, it's not one point, or it's not one because it's just, like, a bad movie. The movie itself is good. It's because it ruins it at the end. For me. And that's... For me. I hear that's what happened in The Abyss, too. I think I've seen it before once. And the lack it was, of it resolution in Ghost Ship ruins it for me. The lack of answers. That's Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship 2, be better. You know what? I'm going to write a Ghost Ship 2. I'm in, I'm in score or for... Or Ghost Ship point five, be better. I'm going to do it just for you. I'm going to explain You're everything. You're going to write a whole uh, screenplay? Yes, that's what's going to be my final published work. Go ahead, dude. <laughs> write a fan fiction. Of Ghost Just Ship. a little novella to explain everything that's not been explained. The rules Please and stuff. Please fix it. Fix it. I don't want to fix it. I just want to explain it. As long as somebody can make it make sense, I feel like I can live with it. Make it make sense. I feel like I can, I can live with, like, subpar quality plots as long as you can make it make sense so if i could get to that point for you i would love to see see, i don't like now that. if i could make you that's, love it that's, that's even not better. my job for me to make the movie make sense that's the movie maker's job make your movie make sense agreed or else it's not a good movie to me that's why i hated the movie precious 
didn't make sense. Could I haven't not, seen it. Could not follow it. It was so out there. And, like, I could, I was, like, rolling with the punches, and I was, like, so what was this movie about? <laughs> what was it about? Yeah, that's that's how I felt at the end of it, and I genuinely felt like, and I wanted, I really, really wanted to like it, but I, I felt like I wasted two hours of my time with that movie. So, anyway, that's all I have. Um, we will see you guys in two weeks, I think. I think we're going to stick with a bi-weekly schedule. And, and I think uh, we're going to watch Waterworld. Probably. That might be our movie. That could be your recommendation for this it's time. It's my, my old movie. Old but not old. What was it? 1999, 1998? I want to say I it think was it's like... 2002. No, I or was or what was the movie? That, something was 2002. This one. Was it, was, it was within a three. Oh. This one was 2002. Oh. Yeah, so, so if it was... It was within, 98? It, it must have been 98 or 99, yeah. Yeah, because one was hey, 2002 and one was 98, I think. Hey, Siri, what year did Waterworld come out? <laughs> I love it. What? Waterworld Africa and the world's most breathtaking waterfalls. What? Which one? The first one.